Thank you, ladies. What a blessing that is. And thankful for the grace of God. And uh, good morning to you all. And thank you for having me with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Hernan uh, invited me and said, uh, would you consider preaching the Sunday morning service? And I count that as a privilege and an honor to be with you and thankful for that opportunity, Pastor. We love your pastor. He's a great friend and uh, just really excited and thankful for what God is doing in your midst here at Good Shepherd. Uh, I have to apologize. Uh, we, you had a group that came down uh, to our church a few weeks ago. And as I said, thank you for being there, I called them and said, thankful for the group out of Southland. And, uh, and I know that might be, you know, might rob you the wrong way today. Uh, but I just want to humble myself before you and ask for your sincere forgiveness from you as a church. Uh, but we truly are honored and privileged uh, to partner with you. We thank God for you and for your church here and the light that you have been in Brisbane. And to just keep going for the Lord as you are going here. And we're going to continue to shine the light in Sydney. And uh, we're going to do all that we can to love people, love Jesus, and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's just keep going till Jesus returns. Amen? Now, I, I'm not sure what time, what time is it here in Brisbane. Do you want me to preach according to Sydney time or according to Brisbane time? Because according to Sydney time, we should be saying the closing prayer and going home. Uh, but uh, we'll preach. We'll preach the Word of God this morning. Uh, there was a, a preacher who was uh, preaching and uh, kind of got a little bit long in his message, long-winded. And uh, a guy was sitting in the, in the auditorium, started to heckle him. And he would say, keep going, Pharaoh, keep going. And uh, this guy was a little bit uh, wondering why is he saying that. And uh, through every you know, couple of minutes, he'll say, he'll cry out, keep going, Pharaoh, keep going. And uh, this preacher got a little bit disturbed and wound down the message real quick. And, and as he was standing at the door, he caught the guy. He said, can you just tell me why you were calling me Pharaoh all the way through the service? You were saying, keep going, Pharaoh, keep going, Pharaoh. He said to him, well, you were just like Pharaoh. You wouldn't let God's people go. <laughs> so uh, today I'm going to do my best uh, to uh, get you into the Word of God, and hopefully in due time we'll be able to get out. So... Um, uh, Exodus chapter 3 is uh, our text this morning, and uh, we're going to be really a little bit uh, in multiple places uh, in, in the book of Exodus, and I did, I would like to bring a message to you entitled, What do you do when the vision doesn't go to plan? What do you do when the vision that God's given you doesn't really pan out? It doesn't work the way you thought it was going to be. And maybe God has given you a vision, some clarity around what God wants you to do. And you've taken that vision and you believe it with all your heart. You know God has spoken to you. God has given you that. He's confirmed it to you in your life. And you set out. You step out by faith. You go out trying to fulfill this vision, but as you're living it out, it just doesn't seem to be exactly what you thought it was going to be like. I'm sure I can speak of Pastor Shemesh as the Lord called him to go to Thailand and with that vision, with that dream in his heart and his mind, knowing for sure this is where God wanted him to be. Even the fact we've discussed about why Nakon Sawan. And uh, he said to me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that God specifically told me to be in Nakon Sawan. But I can guarantee you, as we spoke about that ministry, it did not pan out the way he thought it was going to be. 
Sometimes in life we really believe God wants us to do a particular task or give us a vision about what life would be like or what ministry we should take, but life just doesn't seem or the vision doesn't seem to roll out the way we thought it was going to be. In our text this morning, we read about Moses and his burning bush experience. I think it's a a story that we're all familiar with. It's a story that we probably were taught when we were in Sunday school. And what what an amazing experience that that would have been. Uh, What an amazing experience that here is uh, Moses in the wilderness. His uh, eye is caught by this bush that is burning, but really it wasn't being consumed. And uh, this was the very presence of God. The angel of the Lord was there. And I believe that's uh, the presence of the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament. They're speaking to him and calling him. Now, you know the story of Moses. Moses was a Hebrew boy that grew up in the courts of Pharaoh. Uh, Though he was in the court of Pharaoh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, that he made a decision and a choice that he would uh, be what God called him to to be. Uh, He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he chose rather to, uh, to identify with his Hebrew brethren and take on the esteem and the reproach of Christ. But let me say that uh, when Moses had that dream and had that vision, it really didn't map out the way he thought it was going to be in his head. Uh, you know the story. He went out and saw an Egyptian who was beating uh, a, Hebrew, uh, a Hebrew, and, uh, and he stopped that and killed the Egyptian. Uh, The next day he came out and saw two Hebrews fighting with each other and he tried to break that and stop that. And one of them said to him, uh, who has made you Lord over us? Will you kill me as well as you killed the Egyptian? And what did did Moses do? Fear entered into his heart and he fled. Uh, We know from the life of Moses, the very first 40 years of his life, Moses thought he was everything. Moses thought that he was in Pharaoh's court, he had authority, Uh, He had education. Uh, He had whatever he asked for, he received. Moses thought highly of himself in the first 40 years. But God had to work in his life to get him ready to do a great task. And so he, Moses, now finds himself in the desert for 40 years looking after his father-in-law's flock. For 40 years he was in the desert. Can you imagine he, Moses, with me, a man of authority, man of intelligence, sitting there by himself, and the only conversation he can have is with a dumb sheep. Yeah, who, who made that sound? But, but I heard that up the back. Can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine he's sitting there thinking, my life is just a waste. I mean, like, I am meant to be for more than this, and, and this is what God has chosen for me? I I, I thought that God would help me and he would give me the strength and the the opportunity to deliver his people and is this what is being mapped out for me? Sometimes we think about the wilderness journey, we think that as being a waste of time. Let me tell you, Moses was in the right place where God really wanted him to be. Uh, That wilderness was God teaching him that Moses, all of your life you thought you were everything, I want you to know that without me, you are nothing. Some of us would go through our wilderness journey. Some of us have had our bush experience, our burning bush experience. And we find ourselves not really, not really unfolding that plan or unfolding that vision in a way which we thought it would work out in our minds. 
when I was about 16 years old, um, I got saved at the age of nine, and around about 16, 17, I was finishing my schooling, my HSC, and really God called me and I had a burning desire in my heart that I would enter the ministry. And uh, I, I always thought that my pastor, my father, my family would all be happy with a decision that I would make for Jesus in that way. And, and, uh, and as I declared that, as I made that known what God put in my heart, it seemed like everybody around me was, had a different idea. Uh, when I approached my pastor, he said to me, uh, you know what, I think it's best that you would go maybe study at university or get a trade that will help you, uh, that you could be bivocational later in the ministry. And I'm thinking like, what is going on here? I, I, here I am putting my hand up volunteering. Hey, I'll go. I'll go study. But they're telling me, no, no, don't study now. Go study something else. As I spoke to my father, my father said to me, look, son, I, I understand that God has given you this desire, but I really think that you should go and do this at first. And I was really conflicted. I was conflicted in myself thinking, well, how, how is that going to work out? Uh, if God has given me this vision, has given me this dream, has given me this purpose in my life, uh, how is this going to map out? How is this going to work out if I choose to go into the secular world? Let me tell you, for many years, uh, as I studied at uni, and I had a full-time job working for a large accounting firm at that time, I, I, was, uh, I was always thinking like, God, I, I don't even know why I'm here. I, I don't even know why I am doing this job. I mean, I, I drag myself to work. I drag myself to uni. Uh, I, I, I sit there and fall asleep in some of the lectures. Now, if you're there at uni, don't fall asleep. It's highly unrecommended. <laughs> like, hey, do your best. Uh, but, but that was a kind of spirit and attitude. I, I, I did not know what was God's purpose, uh, why the plan and the vision was not working out the way I wanted it to work out. And uh, the Lord used that time in my life, now looking back in retrospect. Uh, I look at that, that was a great time of preparation. Uh, that was a time for me that God molded me and shaped me and got me to do certain things that uh, at that time I was like, why am I doing this? But to become the man that was necessary uh, to do God's work the most effective way today. And so I want you to understand that though the vision may not roll out according to your plan, God is still in that vision. God is still in that dream of yours. God is still working in your life to get you to a desired and expected end to where he's going to use you great, greatly. I know that you are having vision a month, and today some of that vision has been cast for you as a church. And so what, what I want to speak to, to you today is, uh, don't be so critical if the vision, as it unfolds next year, is not completely like what you thought it was going to be. I want you to learn today, I want us to go through Scripture and see that God is still in that vision and he's doing some work in us. Yeah, I want to make this statement. God is more interested in you, in developing you and growing you and growing your faith, more than he's interested about what he's going to accomplish. You understand? God's, God's greatest purpose first is to get us right before what he's going to do through us. And so very important for a church if we're not right with God, if, we, if we're not working right with God, God is not going to be able to use us collectively to achieve his purpose in this world. 
And so it's very important that we understand how God is leading and how we follow him by faith and, and identify sometimes some of the things that, that really may shake us or change our vision or, or maybe dishearten us and identify them and, and know that God is still working even despite these things taking place. I want you to see here that Moses, having seen, having received that vision in Exodus chapter 3, as we read in our text, in chapter 4, he gets himself ready. And I know we know the story, how he told God to send somebody else, it's not me. Listen, don't be too hard on Moses. <laughs> don't be too hard on him. Uh, he, he was a man who, for the last 40 years, found out that he can do much. And now God has called him to a great task, and, and he's like second-guessing himself. Uh, listen, it's okay. It's okay when you make second-guess. But hold by faith and obey and take the step that God wants you to take. Here is, here is Moses, despite his fears, despite his feeling inadequate to do what God has called him to do. Listen, if you were called to, call, to deliver over 600,000 Jews out of Hebrews, out of Egypt, and you know God told you that Pharaoh's not going to like it, and you're going to find opposition, I'm sure many of us will say, okay, God, great vision, love it, thank you, but I think that's not for me, that's for somebody else, right? But here's Moses now understanding what he will be up for, yet he was willing to go, and look what the Bible says in verse 18, chapter 4, verse 18, and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return to my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Median, Go, return unto Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Here is a man who was given a command. God had given a vision of what he wanted to do in him and through him. And he was about to embark on a great task, not knowing how it was going to be fulfilled. There's going to be oppositions to this vision. And here is Moses now taking a step of faith and in obedience. One thing I want us to learn today is whatever God has given you, whatever your burning bush moment was, whatever God has called for a purpose in your life, I want you to take that and believe it, that this is what God wants you to do. You, you, you will have, as we'll see in that text, uh, many things that will come across your path that will shake and make you doubt the vision that God gave you. But I want you to hold on to it by faith today. What you, today, if God has called you to be a preacher or to be a servant of the Lord or to be a missionary, and you're thinking, how is this going to unfold? And there's much opposition to me going on the mission field or being in the ministry or being a teacher or being whatever God has called you to do, whatever that opposition be. I just want you today to settle in your mind that God is still in your vision and you need to trust him by faith and take a step of obedience. Take a step of obedience. Moses packed his bags said farewell to his father-in-law, took his family and said, uh, we're going into Egypt. We're moving to Egypt. You know, I always admire men and women of God who are willing to pack their bags and go to another country. I always admire people who are willing to leave things behind to follow the call of God, 
to follow the dream, to follow the vision that God has given them, not knowing exactly how it's going to pan out, yet by faith taking that step and saying, God, I believe you gave me this command, and God, I trust you that you will make it work out for me wherever I end up being. And this was Moses' journey, the beginning of his journey. And so he arrives in Egypt and gathers all the leaders and gathers the people and begins to share the vision with them, begins to tell them about what God is about to do. He's sharing with them to tell them, listen, I had a burning bush experience. God was in that bush and he told me specifically He called me, I I doubted and I didn't know that if I could do it, but God reinforced to me the vision that I should go and he gave me a command and now I am here to tell you about it. I think it's exciting when somebody shares a vision. I like people who have vision. I like people who dream. I like people who who say, you know what, wouldn't it be good if we had this? Wouldn't it be great if we did this? Wouldn't it be great that we would just lift our eyes of day-to-day living and begin to look at the world and see what the exciting opportunities are for us, even in our country, right? Even in our country. You know, Australia's not that far gone that God can't save. There are still people who need to be saved. There's still a ministry for you here in Albany Creek. And there are still people out there that need to be reached with the gospel. And I think it's great that you have a vision and excitement about what God can do. And so these people, they came, as, as Moses shared with them the vision, look what the Bible says in, in, uh, in, chapter, in chapter 4, verse 29. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs on the side of the people. And the people what? Say it with me. And the people? Believe. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Did they receive the vision? Do you think they got, they got on board? They thought that they knew what their life was like. And they knew that they were afflicted. They knew that they were suffering. And they were just grateful that God looked upon them with pity and mercy and said, I've heard your cries and I'm going to send you a deliverer. How many people here are grateful for the delivery we have from sin through the person of Jesus Christ? How many of us are grateful that Christ came into this world? Uh, God the Father sent God the Son to be, uh, take on the form of human flesh, came to this earth with a, a ministry and a gospel message, but the Bible tells us that men rejected that light because their deeds were evil. Uh, there was no great reception of that message. I want to tell you today, maybe the world may say no to the gospel, but there's still a remnant who will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Don't lose sight of the great work that Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Today you might be here as a, a person who's never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know that Jesus died for you. Jesus came to this earth to deliver you, to deliver you, to deliver me from an eternal death and destruction, to give us a hope in eternity with him. And it's only through Christ alone, not your righteousness, not your good works, not your religious behavior, not because your birth certificate says you're a Christian, not because you come to church on a regular basis. No, it is because of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are able to have the forgiveness of sin. And I'm thankful that I'm saved today. Thankful for that great vision that God had from the foundation of the world that he was sent Christ to die for us. And today, I want you to know that God is still working in your life. 
God is still working to a desired, expected end to bring his good pleasure and fulfill his purpose in your life individually as a family and even as a church body this morning. Moses is well received by the people, but the next day he has to front up in front of Pharaoh. And this is where now our story begins to take a turn. Uh, this is great excitement, and uh, this great vision. Uh, everybody was on board, the people were on board, and Moses and Aaron were on board, and, and thinking that this is, this is wonderful. Uh, what God has given us as a vision is really working out really well. The people haven't rejected, the people have believed. Everybody's saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. And now they stand before Pharaoh. And what does Pharaoh say? Who is this God? Chapter 5. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. The first obstacle to the vision here is that he was a man who believed he was God. As a Pharaoh, he was a God to Egypt. He was thinking, Who is this God who's challenging me about my situation and about the people that I rule and is giving me a, an authority and a command to go and let the people go. I mean, like, who is this Lord? In fact, uh, Pharaoh gets so, uh, uh, so malicious in his, uh, in his thinking about this. He says, oh, I'll teach your people something. Uh, you are laboring for me. You're making bricks. Uh, we've, got, we've got a big building program. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, we're not going to provide you with straw anymore. You're going to go find your own straw, but you're going to keep the same tally of bricks happening. And uh, he commanded his people and to those leaders of, of the people of the Hebrews and uh, that they would be, be whipped and that they would be uh, inflicted with greater pain in order for them to keep the same tally. Now, sometimes you might, you might have a struggle. You might have a struggle between your vision, the vision that God's given you, and with a conflict with a personal interest. Sometimes we, we struggle with a vision that God would give us as a church or a vision in your own personal life when that vision is a little bit contrary to what I had thought and what I had planned and what I thought I wanted to be achieved in my life. And that conflict sometimes gets us to a point where we're second-guessing what God is telling us. We're second-guessing, well, you know, if God really wanted me to do this, why did he give me a desire to go in this direction? Uh, why would God want me to go in a direction that's totally different to what my life is like and uh, all these years I've built and, and I've, uh, you know, gained and, and I thought we're set in this way because uh, that's what I thought life would be for me. There was a conflict between what Pharaoh's intentions were and what God's intentions were. You ever been in that place? You ever been in that place where you know God commanded something, but it was like, okay, but, you ever said that? But, what about my family? But, what about my job? I have a good job. But, that means I have to leave everything behind. But sometimes the vision can be derailed because of a conflict between what God has given you and what your personal desires are. 
I think we need to sit down and work them out. I think we need to really sit down and be honest with God and say, God, this is really what I had thought. This is really what my interests were, but it seems like that I'm in conflict with what you are calling me to do. Unfortunately, Pharaoh, he kept hardening his heart, kept saying no, kept saying no. And, you know, God said that, I will harden your heart. You know, that's one of the most unmerciful things God can do to any one of us is to let us to continue in our own rebellion. Listen, if God is arresting you today, if he's arresting your mind and arresting your heart with the conviction of the Holy Spirit about something that you're doing, pay attention and do it. Because if you keep saying no, and if you keep saying, well, not now, or now I'm enjoying this, what God could do unmercifully is to stop that and allow you to continue in your own hardness of heart, and then you'll pay a great price for it. Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. There's great opposition. Sometimes, you know, within the body, in a church of this size, there may be some who will harden their heart against what God has called and given you as a vision or a dream to reach people in this area. There'll be people who'll be sitting here who'll say, well, that doesn't work, and no, that, I wouldn't support that, and, and now why are we wasting our time doing this, and, and why should we go out and do that, and, and why are we wasting so much money on uh, promotion and wasting money trying to reach people, and people harden their heart against the work of God. You say, does that happen in the church? Oh, yes, it does. Does that happen to Christians? Oh, yes, it does. I think we be deluding ourselves to think that in a congregation the size of this, there won't be those who would harden their heart against what God is doing in your midst. Sometimes if we just reflect and we just listen to those who are hardening their hearts, you know what happens? When those individuals rise up and they become vocal in the church, you know what happens? We get disheartened about the vision. We begin to think, oh, 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 are we doing the right thing? Uh, such and such is really withstanding, withholding uh, what the church should be doing. Uh, should we really listen to them? Uh, we get a little bit stifled. The vision feels like it's, it's really a, a derailing. It's not, we're not, we weren't counting on people to be like that. Were we, pastor? We weren't counting on people in our congregation who are going to oppose what God is doing. And so the vision begins to waver a little bit and we're not quite sure what the next step is or what should we be doing. In fact, the people, the Hebrews, uh, were so uh, afflicted by what what Pharaoh had done that they went into Pharaoh and said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, please, like, what are you doing to us? Uh, listen, we are your servants. Well, we're going to continue to make the bricks, but it's not our fault. You need to provide us with the straw. And Pharaoh said, no, no, idol, you are idol. How dare you say that you can go and worship your, uh, worship your God? Uh, you must be idol. So if you've got that much free time to go away and worship your God, are you going to make the tally of bricks and we're not going to provide you with the straw? And when they saw that he would not give ear to them, they left. And this is how it worked. You know, as they were walking out, you know who they met? Moses and Aaron. Imagine you just uh, pleaded before the judge, you, you pleaded before Pharaoh about him having some consideration to alleviate the pain and suffering that you're going through, and he says no, and as you walk out, the very two people that stirred that nest, that caused that problem in their own eyes, were on the outside. You know what they said to Moses and to Aaron? 
Have a look with me in chapter 5. Verse 19, and the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, he shall not minish aught from your bricks. And they met. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way, as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savour to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to stay us. Imagine how piercing those words were. Imagine here's Moses and Aaron who had a passion to follow what God had asked them to do, and now the very people that said, come on, let's go, now have turned on them. Now the people are saying, what have you done? What have you done to cause this affliction to increase upon us? Uh, to the point in verse 22, Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he has done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. You can't blame Moses. The plan, the vision. He said, go, I will be with you and I will deliver them with a strong hand. They are now at a point where things have been turned upside down. That It's not like what I envisaged it was going to be like God. And even the people have cried out and they've accused me that this affliction has come upon them. Lord, why have you done this? Why is, it not, why is it that this vision is not as easy as what you told me it was going to be? Why is it that I'm suffering and the people are suffering? And God, you have not even began to deliver us. Do you ever get to a point where you question exactly whether, is this the right vision? Did I get it right? Did I, like, did I miss something? Like this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be like. This has not panned out the way that God told me it was going to be. This has, is a worse problem than what we were before. Hey, yeah, the people were afflicted. They were working hard. They were making bricks. They were building for Pharaoh. But now it's worse. Now they've got to find and fetch their own straw. But they afflicted. They've been whipped. They've been chastised. And, and they've got to meet the same tally of bricks. God, what, what is going on? You've ever questioned God about what's going on? I know I have. I know there's been times in my life where God, uh, you know, put a stop to something and, and, uh, and it was like, what is going on? Uh, the Lord has allowed me uh, through my business career to be able to give generously to the mission work. And I found every time when I have done something of that nature, and I believe, truly believe God wanted me to help a missionary somewhere, that things will go radically wrong in my life and in my business. Pastor Shemish, you remember a few years ago when you were in Sydney and I had this conversation. I got to the point where I thought, am I just an unlucky guy? Like, am I just a guy who everything I touch, rather than it turns into gold, it turns into dirt? Now, I began to question 
I began to question. I had a real co- good conversation with Pastor Shimish about 10 years ago, saying, and we were just right in the thick of it. Like, you know, we lost business, we lost contract, we were, you know, losing money. And, and I'm thinking this all followed after a decision to give a, such an amount to missions. You ever been there? Let me tell you that those things haven't changed even right till now. You know, when God works, the opposer of God is going to work. Every time. Every time. Uh, when you have a desire to do something for the Lord, and you say, I'm going to rise up, I'm going to do something, uh, don't, be, don't be disheartened or don't be surprised that the opposer of God, Satan, is also going to rise up to try to stop what you're going to do. Don't, 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 don't think that uh, you're going to get away free, and you're going to do it on your own. You know, you know what that helped me to understand? Help me to understand, regardless of what that great vision, it's not about me. I thought that, you know, look, I'm involved in this. Uh, look how much we can do. And God wanted to put a hold on that. There were some things that God knew that I didn't know. And God uh, changed and allowed uh, for things to turn around in our life and in our business. And uh, at that juncture, uh, you can't help but ask God, did I get it wrong? I mean, is this, what, is this what you wanted me to do? I was sure that's what you wanted me to do. But it didn't pan out that way. It, it, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And you get to that point where you ask God. Moses asked God. He said, God, what is going on here? You, you, I am sure you told me that I was to come into Egypt. I was sure you told me that you will deliver your people with a strong hand. And I knew there was going to be a little bit of opposition, but I didn't know that the people are going to lose heart the way they did and they're going to turn on me. And that now, Lord, we're in all sorts of trouble. I have no credibility in the eyes of these people. How are they going to be delivered? You ever been there? You ever questioned God? You ever questioned the vision? Ever questioned God's calling on your life? Didn't know which way to go? Yeah, Moses was there. Moses uh, had to face uh, this, uh, this, this objection or, or this uh, distraction from the vision, and, and uh, God was still working in that. God was still working to, to an end. And, and I want you to see also that, uh, that the people, because of their anguish, would not believe Moses anymore. Have a look with me in chapter 6. I know we're moving around in, in the scriptures, but God said to him, go tell the people, I will deliver you. I am Jehovah. I was with Jacob and with Isaac, and I'm Jehovah God, and I will deliver you. And Moses goes and tells the people, and then in verse 9, Moses spoke unto the children of Israel, and they hearkened not unto Moses for what? For anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. I mean, things were so tough that uh, they now don't believe what Moses has to say. Moses came the first time with the excitement, I will deliver you. God sent me. I'm the man, and I'm the man. Uh, we're going to journey out of here. God is going to do it in my mighty way. And that never really transpired as Moses had told them. And now in anguish of spirit, bitterly disappointed, lost their hope, lost the vision, they now would not believe what God was telling Moses that he will deliver them. I mean, that's, now we're right at the bottom of the barrel. 
now we've gone not just questioning God, not questioning what the, what the vision is, but now we're at the point where we're going to throw the vision out. We don't believe it's right. But we, we don't want, like, this is, no, this is not going to work. This is not going to happen. And, uh, and we get there, don't we? There's points, times in our life where we get so derailed, the vision gets so derailed and, and it's just twisted and turned and never worked out what we thought it was going to be and now we've just given up. We said, okay, all right, we had a good go. We had a good go, but it seems like we're not going to get anywhere with this. Let's pack it away, throw it out the door, throw it out the window. God obviously doesn't want to do this for us. But what we forget is that God has them exactly where he wanted them to be. Right there, this is where the Lord wanted them to be. Because now, whatever God does is because of God, it's not because of them. And now whatever happens from here is God will be magnified uh, in the eyes of the Egyptians and magnified in the eyes of the Hebrews that it is God who's going to do this work. God, the Lord says that to Moses in chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Look what he says. The Lord said unto Moses, I see I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, and he send the children, that he send the children of Israel out of, out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And here's the key, verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel among them. God said, yes, I know. I know this, the journey has not been what you thought it was going to be. I know it didn't map out the way you thought it was going to map out. I know you probably thought I let you down and you're a little bit disappointed that I'm in your future, I'm in your presence, but let me remind you, I'm still doing the work. I am still doing the work. I, I want you to get to this point to see that I am the Lord God who will magnify myself in the, in the nation of Egypt. See, sometimes we look at ourselves here and say, I don't know how we're we going to reach. What's the vision here to reach people? I don't know how we're going to do that. There's such an opposition. You know, the country is going woke and, and uh, what hope do we have? And, and sometimes we just say, well, thank God that I'm saved and my children are saved and we just buckle down and we just want to survive. But you know, God is still working in your present. God is still working in your future. God still wants to be magnified in the eyes of the unbelievers, the region, your city over here. God still wants to be magnified. And God still wants to do a work. And not only does he want to do a work uh, to those who are, uh, in, uh, we are in contact with or those who are around us, but I want you to see that God wanted to do a work in the children of Israel, chapter 10. Go with me to chapter 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show thee, show these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may what? 
Read it with me. That ye may what? That ye may know how that? Mm. God is more interested in you and the development of your faith and the development of your walk with him more than he is through what he's going to accomplish. That's priority for him. You see, the Lord had to bring them to that point that they would now recognize and understand it is the Lord. We are the Lord's people. If anything is going to be accomplished, it's because of the Lord. If there's anything good that is going to happen in our ministry here at uh, Good Shepherd, I was just about to call you Southland, but uh, to call you uh, here at Good Shepherd, if anything good is going to happen at Good Shepherd, it is the Lord. And we might have a vision, we might sit there and say, okay, let's do this, let's do that. But let me tell you, if it's not the Lord, then it's just the work of men. And you, you better be careful against what wall you put your ladder to climb on. Sometimes we spend all our life climbing against the wrong wall of success. We, we need to get in line and in tune with the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to accomplish? Lord, how would you accomplish this? God, we're dependent on you. you. We need you. We need you to make this happen. We need you to fulfill this vision. We need you to fulfill this dream. We, we want you to lead our church. We want you to be magnified in our church. We want all the people in our congregation to know that this is the Lord's work and it's marvelous in our eyes. God is interested in doing a work in you first. Maybe part of that journey of that vision, and it's not mapping out the way you thought it was going to happen, maybe God has taken time to get you where you need to be. Maybe God is just preparing you, bringing you to that point where you know this is total dependency upon the Lord. Uh, this is not because I did this. This is not because it's my ministry. It's not because it's my Sunday school class. This is not because I do this outreach. This is not because it's the Lord's doing in me. And the Lord might just halt that vision till he does that work in us. Not only would the Lord be interested in doing a work in us and to judge those hardened hearts, but I want you to see something. I want you to see that the Lord, through this transition, is embellishing and growing the vision. How? Well, they're at the point now, they've gone through all the plagues, and we don't have time to go through all of that. But the Lord gets to a point where he says to, to Moses, he says, I want you to do this. I want you to tell the people that by great power today, I'm going to, tonight, I'm going to deliver them. And we get to chapter 12. We have time to read all of that. But in chapter 12, the Lord institutes the Passover, and it would be a feast that they will commemorate every year from that time on. That was not included part of the original vision. Moses had no clue that this is what God wanted to do. But did God know? Yeah, God knew. God knew that the vision was going to be grown or embellished a little bit, or it's going to take another direction. But it's all still part of God's purpose. Now, I, I guarantee you, uh, uh, Pastor Shemish, when we were in Thailand, uh, when we were looking for, we were first in the city of Nakhon we had a building there, and uh, we were renting, and I remember, what is it, about 10 years ago, I can't remember, but we, went, we were looking for a property, 
And do you remember that time? Uh, it was like, uh, we don't know where we're going to be. Uh, we, we, we went out to this little farmland, and uh, we, we looked at it, we prayed over it, and we put some money in the ground, and, and we walked out, and Pastor Shippers was saying, yeah, but I, I don't think it's going to be that. Uh, we, we, we didn't know. But let me tell you, God embellished and expanded that vision. Uh, to the point now where people are getting saved, that people are being discipled. People, you know, I, I hear that we've got some baptisms even this morning, uh, you know, there uh, in Nakon. You know, if you held back, and if I said, Pastor Shemesh, 15 years ago, would you think the work would be where it is today? I think all of us would say, well, it's a stretch of the imagination. I know God wants us there, but I don't know how it's going to get there. You know that God is, is a wonderful God, and we can trust him. You can trust him. Take a step of faith. Follow what God has called you to do. Yes, it might take twists and turns, but not, uh, but not only God is trying to develop something in you, he's going to expand your vision for something greater. He's going to expand it for something greater. The children of Israel that night took a lamb. They drained its blood in a, ba- in a bowl and took hyssop and put it on the doorposts of the house. An angel of the Lord came through that city that night and anyone who did not have the blood on the doorposts of their hearts, the eldest son or the eldest cattle, the angel of death took that night. But those who trusted in the expanded vision of God sat safely in that house. Today, if you have trusted the blood of Jesus Christ that has paid for your sin, you might say, well, I don't completely understand how God will reconcile that and how he's going to forgive my sin. Just trust the blood. Trust the work of Christ. Trust him. Just trust that. I don't understand the ins and outs of everything, but I just need to trust that what God said to be true is true. And the Lord will help you as you journey the, the, the pathway of faith, the life of faith, a step at a time. The Lord will expand. He will do something in your life and your heart to expand that vision because he is accomplishing greater things in you. When the vision goes wonky, when the vision is not panning out the way we thought it was going to be, that is not a time to run away. That is not a time to pack your bags and find somewhere else. That is not a time for you to go back to the drawing board and say, all right, well, we gave it a fair shot. Let's see what is the next stage. I think what we need to do is get on our faces humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I honestly don't understand how this is working out. But Lord, I'm trusting you. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt in my burning bush moment, this is what you wanted me to do. This is your calling upon my life. Lord, I understand that. Lord, I'm not going to quit. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Sometimes we quit too soon. Sometimes when the vision goes a little bit haywire, it's not according to what we thought it was going to be like, we say, okay, it's time to give up. No, just continue. Would you continue today? 
Would you continue serving Jesus? Maybe you've got difficulties in your life, financial, marital, relational, whatever, health, whatever, whatever's coming across your, your life and you think you're like, God, I'm trying to honour you, I'm trying to live for you, I'm trying to please you and this is what's taking place in my life? You might get to that point where you are questioning. But don't let go of God's command and God's calling on your life. Stay faithful. Continue. Continue because you might be exactly what, where you need to be for God to grow you, to stretch your faith, to get you ready to go into the next direction. It might be exactly where you need to be. Is it painful? Yes. Do, did I ever have doubts? Yes, many a times. Did the Lord have to reconfirm? Yes, he did. But you know what? Just believe the Lord. When Satan makes you doubt, always say, I trust what God said. And just take that one extra step. Just that one extra step. Just follow one extra step. You know, at faith, and I saw it here on your, uh, in your announcements, what's next? All right? Ask yourself, what's my next step? What's my next step? Where I, where I am right now, what's my next No, no, I'm not asking what the long journey is. God, what do you want me to do in my next step? And Lord, I'm going to trust you for it. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to continue to love you. I'm going to continue to faithfully serve you. And Lord, come what may in my life. It might be a whirlwind. It might change my life upside down. But I know you're with me every step of the way. The Lord wants you to follow him. God has given you a pastor. And thank God for your pastor. And the Bible tells us that we ought to honour the men of God in our midst. And I think sometimes we miss that as Aussies. You, you need to be thankful to the Lord that God has given you a man of God in your midst. And the Bible says of which faith you ought to follow. His faith you ought to follow. The vision that God gives him. Oh, I don't really agree. You ought to follow. Oh, I don't think it should be done that way. You ought to follow. And that's when God will bless your congregations. That's when God will do exceeding abundantly above all that we could imagine or think, according to his work, according to his power that worketh in us in the church. Do you want God's power and favor to be upon you? God said to the to the Hebrews and said, listen, I'm going to give you favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. You're going to walk out and they're going to say, here, take my gold, take my silver, take whatever you want. I'm going to give you favor in their eyes. You are going to uh, just take whatever is necessary for the journey. God already knew what they needed along their path and God provided for that. Would you, would you today acknowledge what God has done in your life this far and acknowledge that it is his good doing in your life. Would you get a hold of that vision that God has given you personally and given you as a vision as a church, collectively, that you will say, Lord, I'm going to believe you every step of the way. A twist and turns. It might change, but... God, I know that you are working in our presence. 
And Lord, you are working even in our future for an expected end. God, I'm going to trust you for that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Pastor, why don't you come and close our service as you see fit.